God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 10, verse 22. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Hebrews 13, verse 3. Persecuted Christians are ministering to family, friends, and communities in some of the least accessible least evangelized and most hostile places on earth. A day is coming when all the nations, no matter how remote or unreached, will come and bow before the Lord. You are tuned to the WSLM Radio Ministry Podcast, where we stand for God's truth, not man's traditions and we bring straight Bible truth for these last days. The WSLM Radio Ministry Podcast is a virtual outreach ministry of Sacrificial Lamb Ministries. We are outreach driven. Good morning, everyone. You are tuned to another episode of Prisoners of War. I am your host, Vince Wilson, and it's so wonderful to be with you once again here on this Monday morning, April 17th, 2023. It's another Prisoners of War episode. And in case you do not know about this episode, you have not been following us for a while, Every Monday morning at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we come together and we pray for the persecuted, our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Every Monday morning, we feature a different country in the world where where, uh, uh, where Christians are, are being persecuted, they're being imprisoned for their faith. They're being separated from their families for their stance, for their uh, belief in Christ. Many of these uh, Christians live in areas where uh, Christianity is restricted, uh, is totally forbidden, but these people, uh, they practice their faith sometimes, many times behind closed doors. They have to do it in secret for fear of persecution, imprisonment, or even death. 
Yes, friends, this goes on in 2023 in areas around the world. Now, here in the United States, we may not hear about this type of treatment uh, per se. Uh, we live in a land here where we're free to worship what we want, who we want, when we want. But there are many Christians in other areas of the world where they don't have the freedoms that we have. So that's why we continue to lift them up in prayer. And we pray that the Lord will strengthen them, encourage them, and help them to keep moving forward as they take their stance for Christ, as they stand on the side of Christ, as they stand on the side of good instead on the side of evil. I want to do something different this week on this week's episode. As I said, usually we'll feature a different country or highlight a different country. But this week, I want to go back in history and highlight someone who, uh, in his own right, um, was uh, persecuted, if you will, for his faith and for what he stood for uh, during that time. 63 years ago yesterday, which was April 16th, marked the uh, anniversary of a letter from a Birmingham jail. Actually, it was April 16th, 1963 and uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King wrote this letter from a Birmingham jail for those of you who do not know about Martin Luther King Jr he wore many hats if you will he was a husband he was a father he was a pastor preacher, civil rights activist. Um, he, was, he even called himself a drum major for justice. And I, and I would add that he was a repairer of the breach. Many of us have heard that uh, before, a, a repairer of the breach. And I would say a breach in our society. Uh, during that time, um, even in some ways, in many ways, in our society today, a breach in our society as it pertains to uh, civil rights, mistreatment of folks uh, because of their uh, uh, the color of their skin, their culture, whatever it may be. So there's still a breach in our society even today. But this is what Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. fought for, uh, if you will, uh, back in the day. And um, he was assassinated on April 4th, 1968. As a matter of fact, I was born one week before his assassination. So I was in the world when Martin Luther King was still alive. And as I said, he was assassinated one week after I was born. But I wanted to share just 
some um, I want to share some from his letter from a Birmingham jail again dated April 16th 1963 and um, I mentioned that he was a pastor um, but more well known as a civil rights activist and he has even called himself a drum major for justice Here's what the letter says. And again, I'm not going to read the entire letter, just some highlights from that letter. My dear fellow uh, clergymen, he addresses it, my dear fellow clergymen, while confined here in the Birmingham City Jail, I came across your recent statement calling my uh, present activities unwise and untimely. Seldom do I pause to answer criticism of my work and ideas. If I sought to answer all the criticisms that crossed my desk, my secretaries would have little time for anything other than such correspondence in the course of the day, and I would have no time for constructive work. But since I feel that you are men of genuine good, um, of genuine goodwill, and that you, and that your criticism or and that your criticisms are sincerely set forth. I want to answer your statement in what I hope will be patient and reasonable terms. I think I should indicate why I am here in Birmingham. Since you have, since you have been influenced by the view which argues against outsiders coming in, since you have been influenced by the view which argues against outsiders coming in, I have the honor of serving as president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, an organization operating in every Southern state with headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. We have some 85 affiliated organizations across the South. And one of them is the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. Frequently, we share staff, educational and financial resources with our affiliates. Several months ago, the affiliate here in Birmingham asked us to be on call to engage in a nonviolent direct action program if, if such were deemed necessary. We readily uh, consented. And when the hour came, we lived, uh, we lived up to our promise. So I, along with several members of my staff, am here because I, invited, I, have, I was invited here. I am here because I have organizational ties here. But more basically, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. Just as the prophets of the 8th century BC left their villages and carried their, thus saith the Lord, far beyond the boundaries of their hometowns, and just as the Apostle Paul left his village of Tarsus and carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to the far corners of the Greco-Roman world, so am I compelled to carry the gospel of freedom beyond my own hometown. Like Paul, I was constantly, I must constantly respond to the Macedonian call for aid. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And as I pull out some other uh, lines from his letter here, he says, I hope you are able to see the distinction I am trying to point out. 
In no sense do I advocate evading or defying the law, as would as would the rabid segregationalist. That would lead to anarchy. One who breaks an unjust law must 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 do so openly, lovingly, and with a willingness to accept the penalty. I submit that an individual who breaks a law that conscience tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its justice is in reality expressing the highest respect for law. Of course, there is nothing new about this kind of disobedience. It was evidenced sublimely in the refusal of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to obey the laws of Nebuchadnezzar on the ground that a higher moral law was at stake. It was practiced superbly by the early Christians who were willing to face hungry lions and the excruciating pain of chopping blocks rather than submit to certain unjust laws of the Roman Empire. To a degree, academic freedom is a penalty, I'm sorry, academic freedom is a reality today because Socrates sac- uh, practiced civil dif- uh, disobedience. In our own town, in our own nation, the Boston Tea Party represented a massive act of civil disobedience. There was a time when the church was very power, uh, uh, was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In, in those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of uh, popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever the early Christians entered a town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict the Christians for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But the Christians pressed on in the conviction that they were a colony of heaven, called to obey God rather than man. Small in number, they were big in commitment. They were too God intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. By their efforts and example, they brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contests. Things are different now. So often the contemporary church is a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it is an arch defender of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. But the judgment of God is upon the church as ever before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity forfeit the loyalty of millions and be dismissed as an uh, uh, an irrelevant social club 
with no meaning for the for the 20th century. Every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. Perhaps I have once again been too optimistic. Is organized religion is organized religion too inextricably bound to the status quo to save our nation and the world? Perhaps I must turn my fate to the inner spiritual church, the church within the church, as the true ecclesia in the hope of the world. But again, I am thankful to God that some noble souls from the ranks of organized religion have broken loose from the paralyzing chains of conformity and joined us as active, active partners in the struggle for freedom. Friends, I wanted to share that much with you. Um, I read this through and it's just so powerful. This is my first time actually reading through this. Um, I came across this on um, on my Twitter account. Um, uh, Bernice King, who is the youngest child of Dr. King, um, who was actually, uh, who had just turned five years old one week before his assassination. I wanted to share this with you because I felt this was fitting for our program, uh, Prisoners of War. Dr. King's, uh, his fight for, for social justice at that time, um, for the fair treatment of, of people um, and so forth, um, is still talked about in our history today. It's still a major part of our um, American history. But overall, I wanted to just shed light on the fact that here was someone who stood um, for the injustices of our society. And I believe he was doing what God called him to do. So while many of us may not consider ourselves to be social activists um, in that sense, we have chosen to stand for the cause of Christ on some level. We have chosen to um, share our faith, to be used by God to bring others closer to him in some way. I believe Dr. King in his own way did that back then. Again, while he was fighting for uh, social injustice, the cares of this earth, things that were going on here in our society here on earth, I believe he was moving, um, you know, he received a divine uh, calling from God to help carry this out. So he stood for Christ in his own way as it concerned the ills of our society at that time. So again, he was persecuted. Uh, uh, he was persecuted. His life was threatened. His family's life was threatened. He was imprisoned, which again, this letter is entitled a letter from a Birmingham jail because he was obviously imprisoned that time um, uh, during that time in a Birmingham jail. So all I'm trying to say, friends, is that let us continue to stand for the cause of Christ. Whatever um, we are called to do, to stand, uh, to be a witness, to share our faith. But we must understand that if we choose or when we choose to stand on the side of Christ, we may be imprisoned. We may lose our lives. Our families' lives may be threatened. Um, whatever. We have to just stand, continue to stand, 
like the cedars of Lebanon. Let us continue to stand for the cause of Christ. Let us pray. Lord, there's nowhere on the planet beyond the reach of your love. Uh, Bless my persecuted brothers and sisters who are sharing God's word despite the risk in North Korea, China, Nepal, Nigeria, Pakistan, and other restricted nations in hostile areas. I look forward to the day when all nations will praise your holy name. Friends, let us continue to lift up Christ. Let his Holy Spirit work in us and through us. Let us be led by the Holy Spirit. Let us stand like cedars in Lebanon. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. Thank you for joining me here on the WSLM Radio Ministry Podcast. It's Prisoners of War, our weekly program here every Monday morning at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here on the WSLM Radio Ministry Podcast, we stand for God's truth, not man's traditions, and we bring you straight Bible truth for these last days. The WSLM Radio Ministry Podcast is a virtual outreach ministry of Sacrificial Lamb Ministries. We are outreach driven. I am your host, Vince Wilson. Uh, Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, by God's grace, be blessed.